0: October 1st, 2003, Andhra Pradesh Chief Minister Chandrababu Naidu was on a trip to Tripati. As per the schedule, he inaugurated the local forensic office and by 5 o'clock in the evening, he should be in Lord Venkateshwara Temple to attend the annual Brahmotswam festival. Around 40,000 people were waiting for him. Temple is situated on a hill. To reach, you have to travel through a guard road. So Chandrababu Naidu started his journey in his bulletproof ambassador along with his security convoy, escorting him. Everything was going fine. But around 4 o'clock in the evening, suddenly a big blast. Naidu's vehicle fell victim of bomb blast. The impact of the blast was so intense that Naidu's bulletproof car was hurled into air and landed on its side. Miraculously, Naidu survived that attack. But this attack sent shockwaves across the political sphere in India. Attacking a Chief Minister of State is not a small thing. People's War Group, a wing of Naxalites, claimed responsibility for this attack. This attack gives us a gist of how Naxal movement has transitioned over time, from attacking Zamindars to attacking Chief Minister of State. In early 2000s, whole Red Corridor was teeming with Naxalites. Every day you can hear the news of Naxal attacks, either Naxals will attack police or police will attack Naxals. Encounters are a common thing. Naxal factions like PWG, MCCI are spread across India. So they come together to form the Communist Party of India, Maoist Wing. It was founded on 21st September 2004 through the merger of Communist Party of India, Marxist-Leninist, People's War Group and Maoist Communist Centre of India. So, what is this CPI Maoist wing? Why it should be named as Maoist? It can be called as the evolution of Naxalism. Since its foundation, Naxalism was a tussle between ideologies. First, they separated themselves from CPI to form CPI Maoist Leninist, and finally, Naxal settled on an ideology or philosophy which justifies what they are doing. That's why Naxals are also called Maoist. Maoists are the loyal believers of Chinese revolutionary Mao Zedong's philosophy which says power flows from the barrel of gun. Naxals follow Maoism but practice terrorism. Out of all the states, Chhattisgarh is most affected by Naxalism. Especially Bastar, Dantewada and Sukma district are epicenters of Naxalism. But why? Why only Chhattisgarh? It has something to do with the geography and demographics. Chhattisgarh has vast forest which has no proper infrastructure, no proper roads and filled with tribal population. Perfect breeding grounds for Naxalism. Some areas are not even connected by roads. There are some villages which are totally controlled by Naxals. No one can question them and they even force people to boycott elections. If you watch Rajkumar Rao's Newton movie you'll get a gist of the situation in Chhattisgarh. Also, the three districts I mentioned share border with Andhra Pradesh, Telangana, and Odisha which makes it easier for Naxals to cross borders to play around with police jurisdictions. A total of 1370 people lost their lives between 2010 and 2018 in Chhattisgarh alone. By far the deadliest attack by Naxals happened in Dantevada district, a remote, thinly populated, and underdeveloped area which is regarded as the nerve center of Maoist. About 66% of the district population consists of tribal people, also known as Adivasis. In 2006, The Economist noted that Naxal Maoist insurgency is most intense in Dantevada district and linked the popularity of the Maoist among the local population to the region's lack of development. So on 6th April 2010, Central Reserve Police Force or CRPF and local police group, total of 120 people were conducting a regular area check, also called as combing. Suddenly they were ambushed by around 1000 naxals. Firing started on both sides but security personnel were totally outnumbered by 12 to 1. 76 CRPF personnel and 8 naxals were killed on that day. So far this is the deadliest attack by Naxals. Maoists are so powerful in Chhattisgarh, in fact there is a region called Abujmar in Chhattisgarh, an area spread across 1500 square kilometers. This area is practically ruled by (music) Naxals. The exact number of Naxals are not known but various estimates put it between 15,000 to 25,000 and these numbers are spread across 10 states. So how do they sustain themselves managing a force of 25000 people is not an easy task they need funding and weapons so let's talk about weapons first initially naxals collected weapons from local people these were old vintage type muzzle loader guns and locally made shotguns used for killing animals and hunting some of them also used bows and arrows Their main weapon used to be their human strength, that is, their large numbers. Later, they started looting arms and ammunition from local police outposts in Naxal-infected areas. After gaining confidence, they started ambushing the police and security forces' patrol parties to loot and snatch their arms, ammunition and equipment like Bulletproof jackets, night vision devices, communication sets and etc. They also have their own manufacturing units. As per the report of India today, Maoists have 7 such arm factories, which they call Technical Research Arm Manufacturing Unit, in short, TRAM. These units are manned by 15 scientists who oversee the production and supply of weapons and systems to the Maoist cadres. From rocket launchers to grenade launchers, from assault rifles to mortars, the Maoists have ramped up their self-reliance, making it less necessary. To seek weapons from outside. When it comes to funding, major portion of funding comes from extortion. They forcefully collect money from businessmen, farmers through kidnapping and looting. Only from Chhattisgarh, they earn an estimated 300 crores every year. Second major portion of income comes from marijuana and opium. Naxals have their own farms, which are spread across thousands of acres. Just to give a perspective, security forces destroyed 5,500 acres of opium plantations related to Naxals in Jharkhand in the last 5 years. We are only talking about one state. Just imagine the India-wide operation. They even collect taxes. In areas like Abhijmat, which are practically ruled by Naxals, they are the government and they collect taxes from people. When we think about Naxals we always imagine a group of people wearing dark green color shirts and holding a gun in their hands I would call it the influence of news channels and movies Today not all the Naxals live in forest Over the years Naxalism has evolved You see for a long time Naxals restricted themselves to forest and underdeveloped areas but they need people in urban areas also to spread their propaganda and influence They are so-called urban Naxals. They live among us. They are well-educated people, attracted towards Naxal ideology. One common thread among all of them is that they are all urban intellectuals, influencers and activists of importance. I would suggest you to watch Vivek Agnihotri's movie Buddha in Traffic Jam. It is based on true events where a professor in Indian School of Business, one of the prominent business schools in India, is a urban Naxal and he tries to influence students towards Naxalism. Their reach is much beyond our imagination. More lives are lost in Naxal attacks than terror attacks. In the last two decades, as many as 12,000 people lost their lives in Naxal attacks. Out of them, 9,000 people are civilians. So, what is Naxalism in 2020? Today Naxalism is not so prevalent as it used to be 3 decades back. The so called red corridor is shrinking every year. West Bengal, Maharashtra and Andhra Pradesh are now in the list of partially affected. But Chhattisgarh, Jharkhand, Odisha and Bihar are still the hotbeds of Naxalism. But is it possible to bring down the number of Naxals to zero? Is it possible to totally eradicate Naxalism in India? I don't think so. I don't think we have the antidote. We all agree on the fact that Naxalism is not helping anyone. But as long as there is oppression in the society, Naxalism will always find its supporters. Naxalism will never die because you can kill a liberator but not the liberation. You can kill a revolutionary but not the revolution. You can kill a Naxalite but not the Naxalism. learn something new every week. Subscribe to my podcast on Spotify and follow my page on Instagram for more interesting stuff. This is Curious Monk, signing off.